everyone, and welcome to another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling, and I'll be with you for the next 20 or 30 minutes as we discuss a topic that is near and dear to all of our hearts. Unfortunately, it is the tax man cometh. You know the old adage about death and taxes, right? Uh, well, I don't know what we can do to stall debt. We can first all taxes. We can reduce that liability. Uh, and actually, there is one way to avoid it. Uh, and we'll talk about that uh, today as well. Uh, we want to answer the question today and look at and fully explore the question of, uh, are we taking full advantage of the existing uh, tax code? Can I and how do I reduce the tax exposure I have, in particular by investing in commercial real estate? Uh, and as you all know, because you're obviously listening to our channel, we are fans of multifamily real estate. Uh, keep in mind, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And that's a big part of what we want to talk about today. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Please remember, you can always come visit us at the Learning Center at marapoling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Lots of great material there. We've got links to a number of different providers that you can subscribe to uh, and access our podcasts. In addition to that, uh, we run a sister webinar series. So we have a webinar coming up. Uh, entitled The Tax Man Cometh, in which we'll go into a little more detail, and we've got some obviously visuals that we're able to share with you there. I encourage you to stop by and register for that. If you are a fan of our previous episodes from Season 2, uh, which is what we're in the middle of right now, uh, for example, if you really liked financials and reporting or value-add or some of the other items that we've addressed previously, visit us at the Learning Center at marapolling.com you'll either be able to register for those webinars if they haven't occurred yet, or if you're listening to this session and those have already occurred, still stop by the Learning Center at marapolling.com and you'll have an opportunity to watch the recordings of those sessions. You'll also have contact material there so you can shoot me an email, uh, download some additional information, and uh, uh, even if you'd like, schedule some time uh, with me that we can uh, have a chat and I can have an opportunity to answer any questions you have about, well, what do you mean about cost segregation studies? I don't really understand that uh, as well as I'd like to. And that is one of the topics we're going to address today. Let's go ahead and uh, get started. Tax loopholes. I really do not like that term. Uh, the tax code provides for a number of tax incentives associated with the ownership, purchase, and investment of real estate. Uh, and those are not loopholes. They are there intentionally. They were passed by Congress and signed by a president, and they are in the tax code. This is not a whoops, gee, where did that come from? This was intentional. Uh, think of it this way. If we eliminated all of the tax advantages associated with investing in commercial real estate, so if we eliminated the write-off for depreciation, if we eliminated the uh, ability to do 1031 exchanges, and all the other uh, benefits that we have inside a commercial real estate investment, one of two things would happen. 
uh, investors would flee that market, and there would be a much smaller demand for real estate investing, uh, and we'd have the same amount of real estate investments. So if you have less demand and the same amount of supply, prices go down, meaning that all of the real estate in the country, every bit of it, would suddenly become significantly less valuable, uh, and that would not be good for our economy. Or, in order to keep those investors, folks like myself and others would need to significantly increase the amount of operating income so that those investors would experience similar returns to what they had previously. Remember, it's what you keep, not what you make. So we'd need to make more if there was going to be more tax exposure. And there's only one way to do that. Rents would have to go up. So the very nice people that live in the properties that we are fortunate enough to be stewards of would have to go up. And that would be a bad thing for them. And again, bad for the everyone in the country, uh, whether you invest directly in commercial real estate or whether you are a tenant and not just a tenant in an apartment complex, but the building that you work in. Uh, even if it's owned by the company that you work for, that company, I guarantee you, owns it in an entity in which they're able to take advantage of some of these tax provisions uh, and therefore, uh, your employer would be affected. And if they're affected, that potentially means fewer jobs and so on. So these are not loopholes. These are intentional, uh, intelligent decisions on behalf of the federal government. I know that might sound like an oxymoron. Uh, but it is the way in which the federal government supports the investment in real estate in the United States. So uh, I do not like, nor do I use the word loopholes. Uh, and so that's, that's the first thing that I always like to start with when we, when we talk about uh, taxes. So the question that we talked about was, are you taking full advantage of the tax code? Some people don't like that word, taking advantage. Uh, that sounds negative. Uh, well, use whatever uh, phraseology you would like to use, but... Um, uh, that's the way we think about it, right? The tax code is there. Um, if you were playing uh, a game of baseball, uh, you wouldn't sit there and after having two strikes say, well, I'm out and I'm going to walk back to the dugout. No, the rules of baseball say you get three strikes before you're out. So who walks away when they only have two? The same with the tax code. Everybody wants to take full advantage of the provisions in the tax code to make sure that they pay the appropriate amount of tax. We're not trying to tax season. I don't know anybody that actually goes to their CPA and says, you know what, uh, get rid of that one deduction. I'd like to pay a little extra. No, we all play by the rules. And if the rules change, then what we do changes. But uh, right now we want to make sure we play by these rules. So how do I take full advantage of the tax code? Well, there are a few things that go on in real estate that are uh, unique to that type of investment as compared to, for example, if you invested in treasury bills or a uh, corporate bond or an annuity or if you an, an equity, uh, so you bought some stock in your favorite company or you have a mutual fund, maybe an index fund that tracks the S&P 500, those sorts of things. By the way, those are all great investments. We encourage everyone to have a diversified portfolio. The tax treatment of each of those is different than it is for real estate. So let's start with the concept and the impact of depreciation. 
This is probably one of the first things when we're uh, engaging with someone who is learning about commercial real estate uh, that is a bit of a head scratcher. So uh, real estate appreciates, it grows in value. I purchase a piece of property, an asset for $10 million, and over time, from a variety of factors, uh, most uh, importantly, the uh, increase in the net operating income of that asset because rents grow uh, faster than expenses, at least in the modeling that, that uh, we do in the assets we purchase. So as net income grows, the value of that asset grows. It becomes an $11 million asset, a $12 million asset, a $13 million asset. So that's wonderful. It appreciates. It grows in value. Uh, but for tax purposes, we actually get to depreciate it. We get to write it down. And that write-off, that depreciation, is an expense for tax purposes. And we are able to expense that depreciation. So we have an asset that is growing in value, generating cash flow, and at the same time, generating losses for tax purposes. And this is reflected on whatever tax statement you'll have at the end of the year. If you're an investor with someone that uh, does what we do, you're going to receive a K-1 document at the end of the year, and it is going to reflect either a, some gain, some income, or it's going to generate some loss. It's going to reflect one of those two, uh, both of which will have been reduced by this impact of depreciation. Um, uh, depreciation, if you think about it, uh, one of the ways it's easy to think about it is an automobile. So uh, you run a, a local business uh, and you have a delivery van. When you bought that delivery van, you paid $20,000 for it. At some point in time, it'll be worth $5,000 because of the miles you put on it and its age uh, and all the other factors that go along with it. It will depreciate. And the tax code describes how much of it can be depreciated every year and what the time frame for that is and so on. Um, and that depreciation schedule may or may not line up with the actual depreciation that's experienced, but they're going to be pretty close to each other. And so by the time you get to that point in time where it's worth $5,000 in actual value, it's depreciated by that much. Makes a lot of sense. So when you go to sell it, you sell it and get your $5,000 and those pretty much wash out with each other. Real estate, again, operates the opposite way. Imagine buying that $20,000 vehicle and having it become a $30,000 vehicle at the same time that you've written it down to $5,000. That would be a really interesting phenomena, and that is exactly what happens when it comes to commercial real estate. So how do we do that depreciation? Well, uh, there are schedules, right? So we've got this long schedule of uh, 27 years and change in which we can write things off. Uh, generally speaking, you buy a $10 million property, maybe something like $2 million of it is the land. Land does not decrease in value. It does not depreciate, so it doesn't get written off. Uh, but the, the balance of the property does, right? So that gets written off over some period of time. Uh, so you could put that kind of a simple schedule together. We do something a little more detailed. Uh, and that is we perform something called a cost segregation study. So we have uh, an independent third-party uh, appraiser uh, engineering firm that comes in and does an analysis not only of 
the market and the um, tax assessment that we've been provided and a host of other uh, data points, but also goes through and inventories the asset for each of the different kinds of improvements that have been made uh, and what their life uh, cycle will be. So uh, certainly things like foundations, right, the, the base of our entire uh, asset, um, that is something that will depreciate over a long period of time. Um, appliances don't last 27 years, so they're going to be written off over a shorter period of time and so on. So the effect of that cost segregation study is not accelerated depreciation. That's a term that some people will uh, misguidedly use. It does not accelerate depreciation. It accurately depreciates the asset so that those items that have shorter lifespans are written off over their period of, of time uh, in accordance with the tax code. And those that have a longer lifespan are written over that period of time. This provides a very accurate depreciation schedule, uh, the impact of which is, as opposed to a straight line uh, where the same amount is written off every year for, like I said, the 27 and some odd years, uh, it's, you're going to see more depreciation happening in the shorter term than you will in the longer term because, as I said, some of those items simply don't last 27 and a half years. Uh, so that's an important element that we will use. Uh, many of you may or may not uh, use cost segregation studies. The smaller your asset becomes, it may become cost prohibitive. Uh, there is obviously a cost associated in having that study done, and it must be done by an appropriate entity uh, such that it conforms with the IRS code that's out there. Now, all of this ends up generating this tax document I talked about, and uh, I cannot tell you if the K-1 that you would receive from a firm like us or someone else, uh, how that will impact your personal tax situation because I am not your tax advisor. I am not your CPA. So that's one of the first things you should do when you're contemplating an investment in commercial real estate in general and certainly if you would be working like a firm with us on multifamily is talk to your tax professional about those investments and how they will work given the rest of your financial situation. Uh, we don't understand what else it is you have going on, and you're not going to get tax advice from us or from anybody else. You'll get all the same uh, caveats uh, that I've just made. Um, but you do want to talk to them, and when you're talking to them, if you have questions, then if you're working, for example, with us, you'd want to ask us potentially to get on the phone so that we could answer questions about how we do what we do and that way your CPA can give you the very best uh, advice in terms of how this might impact you personally. So that's one of the big differences, one of the opportunities that commercial real estate provides. Another is uh, the ability to do something called a 1031 exchange. Uh, and there are a variety of other names for it. 1031 is probably what you will hear most often. Uh, and again, I, just as with the uh, delivery van and we contrasted depreciation of the van versus depreciation of uh, a multifamily building, uh, let's take a look at uh, an investment maybe in some equities, right, in some stock. So uh, I'm a good, smart, diversified investor. Uh, I've gone down to my local investment house and I've said I would like to put a thousand dollars into this index fund that tracks the S&P 500. 
it's well diversified over a long period of time. I believe it will uh, perform well for me, uh, and I think that's a good place for me to put my money. Very reasonable uh, uh, decision on someone's part. My guess is many of you may have an investment that looks like that. Um, that performs well, um, and uh, at some point in time, uh, you end up, uh, whether it's exiting that index fund or maybe just by the performance of that index fund, you'll end up having some gain that you need to deal with. Now, if you've held that position, let's say you've held that investment for over a year, uh, you'll be potentially subject to long-term capital gains treatment uh, from the federal government. Uh, states are all very different, and that's, again, something you'll want to talk to your uh, tax advisor about. So we're just going to talk about federal gains taxes. On a long-term basis, those federal rates are nice. They're lower than ordinary income rates, uh, and there's an opportunity there for you to benefit from that. So there is a benefit in investing in equities from that standpoint. So I want to sell that index position, and I'm going to take that money, and I'm going to go buy some individual stocks with it. So I sell my index position. Uh, I've made $300 on my $1,000. I pay the tax on that $300. Uh, again, it's long-term gain, so I'm paying at a lower rate. And then I take my 1000 plus what's left of this gain, and I go buy some, some other stocks. That's a very reasonable transaction and tax-advantaged. The real estate version of that is I put my money into an asset, and that asset grows in value. Remember, we talked about that it appreciates, right? So it's going to grow in value, and we'll use the same an analogy. We put $1,000 in. Over some period of time, it grows to be the same $1,300 that that equity is. The difference is this, is when we sell that, we don't have to sell that and just take the proceeds. We could do that and pay the same gains rates as others. Or what we can do is we can sell that and purchase uh, a new asset uh, with that $1,000 plus the $300 uh, and any other funds we might want to add at that point in time. And we can purchase an asset that essentially is a replacement, an exchange, right? Uh, and there's a technical way in which this needs to be done. Uh, and there are, there are uh, there's a firm that will work with you uh, that's an intermediary that will help uh, make this transaction work. There are some timing implications. There are a number of factors involved. Uh, and that's realistically one of the reasons why folks uh, like you all may want to work with someone like us is because uh, we've not only got the experience, but we've got the machinery in place to be able to do that. You can do it as an individual. Uh, in our situation, uh, there's absolutely value in doing that, and so that's something we look to do uh, on many of our uh, sales and transactions. So, uh, so that's a um, so that's an opportunity for us to take that $300, and instead of paying the tax on it, we're able to move that $300 into the next investment which essentially means you're getting an interest-free loan from the federal government because that, it's a tax deferral. You're not, we're not eliminating that tax. It simply gets paid down the road, uh, ultimately when the final asset is sold and those gains are recovered. Um, and so we're able to push that gain out, uh, and that's something you aren't able to do with an equity or with other similar investments that, that grow in value. It's something that's unique to 
uh, a commercial real estate investment and we take full advantage of it in uh, multifamily. Uh, so we're depreciating an asset. We're using 1031s to push the gain out. Uh, and by the way, when we do that, the new asset that we secure, that depreciation essentially from the first asset also rolls over into that. So we have slightly less value to depreciate in that next asset, but the next asset's larger. So there is some additional depreciation to be had. And again, we're simply deferring these taxes. We will ultimately have some exposure to long-term capital gains rates and depreciation recapture and so on, all of which are advantaged relative to ordinary income rates for the vast majority of people. Again, talk to your tax advisor about the specifics of that for you. Um, I did mention at the very beginning, though, that there is a way to not just reduce your exposure, but to eliminate the exposure. Uh, and not to be in too indelicate about it, but it goes back to my original uh, uh, joke, if you will, about death and taxes, right? Um, so those are the two things that everyone says are unavoidable. Well, uh, when it is time to make the ultimate exit, and this may be something you would calculate into your estate planning, uh, quick side note, we would encourage everyone, if you do not have an estate plan, uh, investing's wonderful, go put some money into building an estate plan. That's a smart thing for everyone to have, uh, regardless of the amount of the estate that you have. This is not about just tax planning, which is one portion of estate planning, but it's also about uh, you ensuring that your estate that you've worked very hard for is ultimately executed in the way that you want uh, and meets your wishes uh, when that day comes. So as part of your estate plan, you may hold some assets like this in which, uh, upon your passing, if titled correctly, and this is where your estate attorney can help, uh, your uh, beneficiaries would experience a step up in basis. So that $1,000 investment that is now grown to be worth $1,300, if that happens to be uh, when this event occurs, then the step up in basis uh, is generally going to turn that into a $1,300 investment. Again, I say generally because I don't know everything about your particular situation. Talk to your tax advisor and your estate uh, uh, planning team from that standpoint. But that would essentially eliminate that tax liability. Uh, and so you've got some wonderful opportunities when investing in uh, commercial real estate. Uh, again, not loopholes. These are specific intended benefits uh, that support the investment in real estate across this country in which you can take advantage of depreciating an asset that actually appreciates. Uh, if you work with a firm like Mara Poling, you have the ability through tools like our cost segregation study strategy in which you can uh, benefit from a uh, very accurate depreciation schedule, uh, so you take full advantage of that. As those assets grow in value, 1031 exchanges provide you with opportunities to uh, manage your tax exposure on a long-term basis and defer those taxes, and potentially this could be part of an estate plan in which you would uh, benefit from that step-up and basis that we chatted about. I hope this has all been really valuable for you and, and maybe uh, triggered a few ideas that you might want to go talk to your CPA about or your attorney uh, or some other members of your uh, of your support team. 
uh, please visit us at the Learning Center at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. As I said, lots of great material there and links so that you've got the ability to, uh, to contact us. Please don't uh, hesitate to, uh, to shoot us an email. We're happy to chat. Uh, sign up for some of those webinars. Listen to some of the recordings. Uh, watch the, uh, the previous webinars. Uh, and please join us again next week for our next episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.